Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. I hope you're having a wonderful year. I know that I'm behind on the podcast. I really wanted to start doing them weekly. It's just been a little tough. So I promise I'll try to get back on track. Gray is going to start doing one once a month. So that should be good. And that'll at least help us stay on track and getting, you know, three or four out every month. But again, bring your ideas to us. If you have ideas, something you want me to talk about, uh, just let me know. I'll be happy to cover things on our podcast uh, to help you out. So today, uh, the episode is about where did the cuteness go? And you're probably wondering to yourself, what does this even mean? Well, I always tell people that cuteness wears off with their dogs. You know, you get a puppy and they're so precious and they're fun and they're happy and they love you and they're super, super cute. And they're cute for a while, but there are a few things that can easily take that cuteness away. Housebreaking is a great example. I don't think there's many things that can take cuteness away as quickly as a dog who pees in the house on a regular basis. Uh, So that's what I mean about that cuteness. Uh, It can only get you so far because at some point you're going to kind of lose your cool. And so what I really want to talk about is helping you guys understand that regardless of how cute your dog is, regardless of the size of your dog, You need to do some training with your dog. You need to set some expectations. And this includes uh, those of you that have dogs that are maybe five pounds or less. You know, so many times people think, well, I can just pick this dog up. So it's really not that big of a deal. I don't really need to do training. I'll just pick the dog up. I'll hold it or I can easily put it in its crate. Well, the problem is when you don't train your dogs, you will tend to get behavior problems such as anxiety, fears and phobias, a lack of confidence, lack of social skills. Uh, You get a lot of barking out of small dogs. And you know, the thing is, is people talk about, oh, I don't want one of those yappy dogs. Small dogs bark more than big dogs because people don't train them. All dogs bark, but your small ones bark more because nobody trains them. They're not just bred to bark more. Yes, there are some breeds that tend to be a little more vocal, but not every small dog was bred to just bark and bark and bark to get on your nerves. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, what am I doing that is creating this barking fest? What am I doing that is, you know, creating these behavior problems? And what can I do differently? There are a lot of things that you can do to train your dog. You may not need to train the dog for... Uh, walking on a leash because you carry the dog or you put it in a stroller. 
you know, that's fine. But there are things that you can do, such as teaching the dog appropriate manners during feeding time, and that's their meal, as well as how to act during your meal. Maybe how to act when company comes over, especially when it comes to furniture manners. How many of you allow your dogs on the furniture anytime they want, but then when you have company come over, you start getting onto the dog for jumping up in, uh, you know, people's face or lap. And that's not fair for the dog. So, you know, regardless if you have a five-pound dog or a 150-pound dog, you need to teach your dog manners and expectations. So, one of the things that you can start with is some simple hand-feeding exercises. Condition your verbal marker to let the dog know that good boy or good girl can pay out. You simply take 10 pieces of kibble, say good boy or good girl based on your dog's sex, and then you hand them a piece of kibble. So we'll just use good puppy, good puppy, piece of kibble, good puppy, piece of kibble, good puppy, piece of kibble. Make sure that you give the good puppy before you give the kibble. Always words before action. Good puppy, kibble. You'll do that with all 10 pieces, and that's called conditioning your verbal marker. Once you've conditioned the verbal marker, then you can sit there with your bowl of your dog's food and get your dog or allow your dog to offer behavior to try to get you to say that verbal marker to get a piece of his kibble. Now, what you're looking for is any behavior you don't mind seeing repeated. It doesn't matter how simple it is. Every dog does different things, but there are a few common behaviors that dogs would do on a regular basis. And typically, what you'll get first is butt on floor, because man, humans love butt on floor. So being that the butt on the floor, the sit behavior is natural for dogs, they already know how to do it, they will typically use that. So if your dog puts his butt on the floor, you would say, good puppy, give a piece of kibble. And you'll want to use the verbal during the, the behavior that you like. So as the butt's going to the floor. Now, to play this game correctly, your dog can't just sit there and wait for you to say good puppy. I want your dog to try to get you to say good puppy by offering different behaviors. So let's say your dog sits, you give the good puppy and a kibble. Now your dog must do something different. Well, what does that look like? That might be offering a paw standing up, looking left and right, looking up, looking down, uh, backing up, scooting the butt back on the floor. Um, maybe it might try barking or whining. It may try jumping. So you get to pick what you want. If you like something, verbally mark it, give a piece of kibble. If you don't like something, ignore it. Don't have to say anything. You just don't give the verbal marker. So when the dog, let's say the dog has already sat, and then the dog stands. Good puppy, piece of kibble. Now the dog is like, oh, okay. Well, my human loves the sit, so I'm going to put my butt back on the floor. Good puppy, kibble. Dog's going to start figuring out, wow, I'm going to stand back up and see if that worked again. Good puppy, kibble. And after, you know, several times of that, the dog is going to start understanding that, oh, so you want me to sit and stand. Well, I could do this all day. Well, if we keep rewarding it with food, your dog will do that all day. So what we want to do is get the dog to really start thinking. After I reward the sit and the stand for maybe six, seven times, then I may hold off the kibble for the sit and the stand, which is going to force the dog to try something else. Now, naturally, when you do this, the dog is going to get probably a little frustrated. You might get a little whining, a little jumpy. Just ignore it. 
and just wait for the dog to do something else. But what I really want you to do is think outside the box. Don't be looking for really big behaviors that you want to put on command. You really want to go for small things. Um, if your dog backs up while standing or turns to the right or turns to the left or hears a sound and doesn't bark, gives you eye contact. So it's really looking for anything and you really never know what you're going to get. There are some dogs that I will get the sit, stand, down, um, and, you know, show me your belly in like 15 minutes. But then there are some dogs who like the sit and stand, but then they like to back up. Or they start to turn in a circle, and I get the dog turning in a circle within like five minutes. Because I start rewarding the dog for going a quarter around, and then halfway around, and then three quarters, and then all the way. So you never know what you can get. It's just building off. And so what ends up happening is your dog starts using his brain. You are teaching him how to learn, which is very important. He needs to learn how to problem solve. So if something's not working, he needs to be able to tap into that brain and go, okay, what else can I do that could possibly get me what I want? And this will transfer to things like going to see another dog or getting up on the furniture or getting permission to go out the door or getting someone's attention you want the dog to fill its brain for, full of offered behavior that you like. And hand feeding is a great way of doing this. Plus, it's a nice longevity exercise on self-control. And it teaches your dog to stay uh, in, in a controlled state during an arousal moment, such as eating. And this is a great way to teach your dog good foundation skills. And I have never met a dog who didn't like this game. Now, granted, if you have a dog who has some anxiety and low confidence, it's going to be a much slower process for you. Um, so what's probably going to happen is your dog's just going to sit there and look at you. If that is the case, make sure you don't keep rewarding the dog for just sitting and looking at you. If your dog does not offer anything else within a minute, I want you to put the food away for two minutes and then come back and give the dog another chance. And do that repeatedly until your dog starts to figure out, wow, if I just sit here, the food's gonna go away, I better try something. And when I'm building confidence with the dog, the hand feeding exercise is absolutely number one because that is a life-sustaining resource that I control and the dog really wants it. Uh, now, if your dog doesn't wanna work for its food, then that's telling me that the food is not worth working for because they just expect to get it for free. So you'll need to find a kibble that your dog really likes and it makes them feel good. So they may not like their kibble or it may not make them feel great. If your dog is not a regular eater, you need to look at that. And we will be doing a podcast on food and nutrition very soon. I've been meaning to do it for a while, but it's going to be a little bit more in-depth than me just sitting down and, and just, you know, running my mouth for 30 minutes. So you really want to look at that. Your dog wants to, it, he needs to be excited for that food. And if you free feed your dog, where you leave food out for your dog to graze, you need to start picking it up. That is a absolute no-no. Now, why do you ask, why is that a no-no? Why can't my dog just graze? He eats when he's hungry. Well, because number one, when a dog gets sick or ill, their appetite will be one of the first things that go. And that's a great sign to let you know that something is off before the dog starts really exhibiting things that don't look great. If your dog is free feeding, you can't always know how your dog's appetite is going, especially if you have multiple dogs in the house, uh, you can't tell who's eating what. Plus, I am really big on ensuring that my dogs are getting the right amount of calories per day based on their weight, based on their age and activity level. Now, 
Um, if you have um, also multiple dogs in the house and you leave food out, well, that puts tension between dogs um, because you're going to get some bullying without you even realizing it where one dog is going to control that food and the other one is not going to get a chance to eat as often um, or will feel intimidated when around the food. And that just creates a real serious problem with multi-dog um, you know, inner pack aggression issues. So you want to avoid that as well. Plus, when you control the, the life-sustaining resource, that puts you up on the totem pole kind of high. And that gives you a little bit of an edge to teach them that you are 51%. You are 51% of this relationship and you get final say-so. You know, so that is a great way to teach these guys. And plus using their kibble to teach just some simple behavior and save your treats for things that may be a little bit more challenging, especially when outside or in public. Uh, you know, that's where you want to use your treats. If you're always using yummy treats at home, they're not going to be that great when out in public. So the kibble is a great way to really work with your dog and teach them to use their brain. Another great way of using the kibble is taking a portion of their meals, whether it's in the evening or in the morning, and setting it off to the side and using it throughout the day or throughout the evening to reward behavior periodically. This way they're still getting their meal, but they're also learning that you can earn food and earn rewards at any time, not just when you're playing the hand feeding game. And this also will train you to start looking for the behaviors that you like and reward those on a regular basis. Otherwise, you're going to get a dog who only pays attention during those training sessions. And truly, dogs are learning 24-7. So that's another great way to use the kibble. And especially if you have smaller dogs that tend to like to bark at things, when you hear noises before they have a chance to bark, oh, good puppy, and toss some kibble. So they learn that quiet is preferred. Because I don't like to take barking away, but I definitely want to control it. And, you know, there's great ways of controlling it using our That's Enough and Split Up, which you can find on our website, on our video page, in the video controlled window barking. So I would definitely look at that if you do have an excessive barker at home, whether it's out the front door, out windows, or just in general. Now, if your dog is barking at you, you can simply ignore that behavior. I don't encourage barking because it's typically self-rewarding enough that I don't need to tell the dog that it's a good behavior. Now you can put it on command, but if you're having barking issues, I wouldn't necessarily put it on command. So that's the hand feeding is a great way to work on some of these things and to just start rewarding uh, behavior on a regular basis. Another great way is if you don't have time to hand feed, and a lot of people only hand feed one bowl a day, and that's one meal, which is fine. The other way is if I'm going to put the food down and allow the dog to eat all at once, I want to put rules to that as well. So I may have my dog sit uh, before I put the bowl down and then not let the dog eat until I give permission. So typically when I do this exercise, I stand there with the bowl. Again, sit is a default behavior for most dogs because that's what people really start focusing on is with puppies. And so the dog will probably put his butt on the floor. And when that happens, I will start to lower the bowl. Now, naturally, dogs will stand up when they see that bowl being lowered. And if they stand up, you just pick the bowl right up and stand back up yourself. Once the dog goes, oh, well, that didn't work, they put the butt back on the floor. You start to put the bowl down. If the butt comes up, you pick the bowl up. And what you're looking for is butt and bowl on the floor at the same exact time and then telling your dog that they can eat. Whether that is get it, release, okay, 
go eat anything that you want to use. You don't have to use any type of verbal words for this as far as telling the dog they're doing right or wrong because your action of either putting the bowl down or picking it up will communicate more to them what behavior that you would like to have and what behavior is not working. When you do this exercise, always give yourself a couple of feet away from your dog. Do not put the bowl right underneath your dog's nose. Give yourself a couple of feet so you have time to pick the bowl up. In the beginning, you want to reward the dog. As soon as you get that bowl to the floor, if the butt is still there, immediately release your dog. You will work up to having the dog wait um, at different times um, and for different lengths of time. Uh, that way the dog isn't going, you know, in his head, hey, you know, he puts it down and immediately releases me every time. Or he puts it down and you have to wait to five and then he's going to say, okay. I like to change it up once the dog starts to understand the game. So they're really listening for me and focused on me um, and not uh, just waiting, um, you know, for a certain amount of time to pass. So keep that in mind when you're doing the regular feeding as well. And I believe we might have a video on the website for that. Uh, you can just take a look at it. I'm going to try to get some new videos this spring um, or maybe, well, I doubt in February, but maybe this spring we'll get some new videos and I'll post that for you. So those are a few little things that you can do with the feeding process. What are some other things that you can do to set expectations? How about teaching the dog how to not run through doors or bolt out of the crate without permission? To do that, basically, uh, a great way to start is in a crate if your dog is crated. And that's basically where you will start to open the crate door. If the dog starts to ram its head out, you just close the door until the dog stops, which is typically only about a half a second or a second, and you open the door back. If the dog starts to come out, you close, and you repeat this process, and it's a really fast process. You're not creeping the door open, you're either opening or closing. It's a very quick process. And when the dog finally decides to stand back or just not bolting through the crate door, you say, okay, or release and let the dog come out. And that's another great exercise for door bolting. So you would use it for any door, your outside door to backyard, front yard, your crate door, your car door. If the dog goes to the bathroom with you and you, you know, you close the bathroom door. If you're going to do uh, your front yard, please put a leash on the dog, um, unless you're fenced in in your front, but just put a leash on the dog. And when you use the leash, you don't want to use the leash to stop the dog from trying. You just want to use the leash to stop the dog from running down the street. So really the best thing to do is tie that leash to something that's near the door where your dog can still get about a foot out the door, but can't run down the street. That way you're not pulling back on the leash. You're only using the door. Again, it's a fast process. If I have a dog at the front door, I'll start to open. If the um, dog starts to bolt, I close until the dog backs up. Open, close, open, close, open, close. Again, fast process. And you want to open and close the door uh, in a natural way, not creeping the door open. When you go slow doing something like that, I know why you're doing it. You're doing it to help the dog not mess up. But what you're doing is you're giving the dog an, a longer opportunity to mess up. And because we're teaching the dog to offer behavior, if something doesn't happen quick, they may try something else. So you want to be quick with it. Plus, it shows that you're confident. And confidence is very important. We've talked about that with our leadership. Being confident is super important. So just some exercise so you're not getting door bolting. 
Door bolting is a serious issue, and many dogs I've seen have bolted outdoors. They don't make it back uh, because they get in the road um, or they get lost, somebody picks them up, um, you know, so it, there's really no reason that your dog should be bolting out the door because there's simple exercises to teach the dog. And when I do teach door bolting and teach door control, um, I don't use weight commands or stay commands because when dogs bolt outdoors, it's typically because no one told them not to. When I want dogs to know that the general rule is you do not run out a door unless you're given permission, which is why we don't use any type of stays or weights because everybody that comes in and out your door may not know your command. And if your dog doesn't hear it, then they may not stay inside the house. So if you find that you're having to creep open doors and hold your dog back when someone comes in, you really need to work on door control, not only for just self-control, problem solving, expectations and leadership, but for safety and to keep your dog safe. If you have a backyard, then you can do it off leash. If your dog runs through the door without permission, you have to physically go get the dog. Do not call the dog to you. Go get the dog calmly, bring the dog back in and do it again. Don't ever let the dog stay out if he's run out the door without permission. First thing in the mornings, if your dog needs to potty, you may just open the door and say, okay. It's not about a certain amount of time waiting. It's just about getting the permission word before going out. So don't make it so complicated, um, but you definitely want to make sure that you are uh, doing that for safety purposes, especially with your small dogs, because you can't necessarily just stop them using your body because they're little and they just get, you know, between your little feet. All right, so that's another thing that you can do. Um, how about teaching your dog furniture manners? So I don't mind dogs on furniture. If, if that's your preference, I don't care. I don't live with you. You do what you want. But what I do ask you is to be consistent that if you don't mind your dog jumping on the furniture anytime it wants, then you have to stick with that rule 100% of the time. That includes when you have company, when they're sitting with a plate of food, or they're sitting with a glass of wine, or the dog just came in from a muddy backyard. You cannot scream at the dog for jumping on the couch at an inopportune time if you've not taught them to jump up only on permission. So I really recommend permission, and you can use permission as far as a verbal. Uh, so you can use, we use couch to tell our dogs that they may get up on the furniture, whether that's our bed, our couch, our ottoman, whatever the case may be. You can also use a blanket as the cue. So let's say that you only want the dog to lay on the blanket on the couch. You can use an open invitation anytime the blanket's there. The dog is allowed to come and go as he pleases, but only on the blanket. And then when the permission's gone, you have company, you remove the blanket. So to do that, you don't punish the dog for jumping up without permission. You simply interrupt the dog by removing him gently either by the use of the side of the collar or if it's a small dog, you can just pick up and put in the floor. Now, if you've been allowing your dog to jump on the furniture anytime they want, then you're going to get a dog who looks at you like you've lost your mind and is going to jump up again. And you'll repeat the process uh, four or five times before putting a timeout in place and the timeout is just 15 seconds in another room, maybe a bathroom, um, something of that nature where the dog can't get on a piece of furniture. And then let the dog out and start the process all over again. Once you get the dog permission to be up on the furniture, um, you may use the rule as you can come and go as you please until I give you an off command 
or an all done command. Or you can use the rule that if the dog jumps off after an invitation, you don't get to come back. In other words, I don't want a dog jumping off the couch, running to the window, barking, and then coming back and jumping up. So I would rather have a dog that understands that once you get off the couch, that invitation's gone. And you have to wait until another invitation is given. So when the invitation is over and you want the dog to move, then that's a good time just to tell the dog all done or off and remove them off the furniture so they start to learn what that means. Now, if you're interrupting your dog for jumping on the furniture without permission, do not use the off command when you're interrupting. You just remove them quietly. The off command only comes after you've given permission and the dog is on the furniture. So again, these are just some simple little things that you can do to help your dogs learn that there are expectations, and especially these little dogs. You know what, guys? You don't have to have little yappy brats. You can have little dogs that bark normal and that act normal and that like people and get along with other dogs. And to do that, you've got to socialize them. You've got to get them out into the world. Don't just keep your small dogs in the house. But also keep in mind, this is this podcast is not just for small dogs. This is all dogs, medium, large, extra large. It's just typically you don't get somebody calling and saying, well, my dog is going to be, you know, small, so I need to train it. I usually get people say, well, I got a puppy and it's going to be big, so I need to get some training. That does not matter the size of the dog. All dogs need expectations. All dogs need training. All dogs need socialization and interaction. Okay, so don't just keep your dog you know, isolated, especially these small ones. If you're scared to let your small dogs with big dogs, find a small dog group. Find a daycare that is trained with a well-trained staff that has a small dog section. You need to make sure you allow these dogs to be dogs, okay? Because dogs, they don't, size does not matter to them, right? They are canines first and foremost, just like with humans. It doesn't matter if you're five foot two or six foot seven, you communicate the same way and you, you know, you're still a human. You're human first. All that other physical attributes come after that. And the dogs are the same way. They communicate the same way, regardless if they're five pounds or 150 pounds. They all communicate the same way. So please do your dog a favor and get some training and use positive techniques. Don't be putting choke chains and prong collars on these five and 10 pound dogs. And I have seen it and it's ridiculous. No dog needs that, especially a five or 10 pounder. And I've literally seen like 15 pound dogs with shock collars. Y'all, that's ridiculous. The majority of the things you want your dog to do, they already do. You don't need to teach them to avoid correction and be fearful of making wrong choices. You want a dog who is full of themselves and full of personality, but will still mind and can go places. You know, if you train your dog, you can enjoy them more than just at home. If you socialize them and get them out and teach them manners, you can enjoy your dog more than just being at home. And your dog would appreciate that. Your dog would enjoy it more. You'll have a healthier dog, healthier physically, healthier mentally, emotionally. You are uh, more than likely going to avoid behavior problems like aggression, fear aggression, anxiety, submissive urination, uh, destruction by chewing. So... These are things that you can avoid by working with your dog and teaching your dog. Because I promise you, that 5, 10-pound dog, that cuteness will wear off when it won't stop barking when you're trying to watch TV 
or it's barking in the middle of the night, or you can't have company over because it's biting ankles. You know, there's no need for that. Train your dog. They need it. They need expectations. And there are simple things to do in your everyday routine. Your dog comes to you on a regular basis. When your dog comes to you on a regular basis, good calm and reward. Maybe that is just petting the dog or throwing a toy or a piece of kibble or maybe a small treat, right? So communicate with your dog what you want. Help them learn so they can be better dogs and so that you can enjoy your dogs more. Now, if you've not listened to any of our other podcasts, highly recommend it. Uh, go and learn some things. You can also watch the videos on our website at dogspeak101.com. Uh, if you're not on Facebook with us, get on Facebook because we have videos and some live videos on Facebook at dogspeak101. Instagram as well. We don't use that as often, but hey, it's there. And, um, and of course, you know, make sure you sign up for our newsletter so you know what's happening. Uh, and if you're local, you can come to our seminars and, um, you know, or get some private training with us and, or group classes. So there's a lot. We try to give you as, as much as we can to help you, um, as well as our books on Amazon.com. You can just look up Nikki Ivy, and you will find my books on Amazon. So really, educate yourself. Work with your dog. Your dog would appreciate it. And uh, it's really important that you don't allow your dogs just to be a free-for-all. Uh, set some expectations. Uh, it may only be a few things, but your dog will appreciate it. And you will enjoy your dog more on a regular basis. I promise you that. And, and hopefully you won't have to come see me because your dog has behavior problems or it bit someone in the face. All right, so get out there. Work with your dogs. Educate yourself. Now's a good time. If, it, if the weather's bad and you can't get out, uh, now's a good time for working inside with your dog on some hand feeding and other exercises. So if you have any questions, you know you guys can always reach me. Just info at DogSpeak101. Send us a Facebook message. Um, you know, just let us know what, what you want to hear, what you want to see, and uh, what we can do to help you be a better dog owner, to help your dog be a better dog. I hope you guys have an awesome week. I hope that you are, are uh, enjoying some okay weather. Hope you're not uh, too rainy or too snowy. Um, I personally wish it would get hot again, but, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. So get out, enjoy yourself, work with your dog, and I will talk to you guys very soon.